We're back. Welcome Whoa. to Inside the Album with Don and Tommy. I'm Don Seckler. He's Tommy Hilkin. Tommy Hilkin. Yes, I am. Thanks, How you doing, Don. brother? Oh, uh, man. Doing real good. Excited. Good stuff. Great album today, you know, uh, and a good one to come back on, I truly believe. Yeah, so we took a little bit of a hiatus as uh, work and real life kind of got in the way for us, but we're going to try and get back into it here. Yeah. And we're going to uh, try to do episodes initially monthly, so it's going to be a little bit of a stretch between the episodes, but who knows what the future brings. Well, you know us, Don. Now we're going from quantity to quality. <laughs> yes, so we've really <laughs> ramped up the quality. Yeah, as you're about to hear. <laughs> but i'm glad we're back it's good to yeah see you. so um as always we want to always mention our charity it's called music for mark and you can uh, see the website there at musicformark.com and we're looking to repurpose old instruments so if you've got a guitar ukulele trombone drums whatever you've got laying around the house that's not being used reach out to us at musicformark.com and we will see about getting that instrument into the hands of somebody who can use it. Awesome. And it's kind of funny you mentioned that. The first the first instrument we ever got donated to us was a trombone. <laughs> of all the things. Hey, I got a trombone. Okay. Well, now we can great. start our ska band, right? <laughs> That's it, I'm in. <laughs> That's great. All right. So we're back here and we're both Jersey guys. So we're going to kick it off with some Jersey music and we're going to start with a classic album, uh, Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen Woo! and the E Street Band. Mm -mm -mm. So this goes back a few years, back to 1975. And uh, we'll talk a little bit uh, first about the band. It's Bruce Springsteen, obviously, vocals, guitar, songwriter. I mean, really kind of the, the they call him the boss because you do what Bruce says. <laughs> it's Bruce's oh. show. And uh, so the band has changed over the years a little bit. And some of the, a couple of the people who were in the band originally left right at this time. Um, but the, and there's a lot of musicians on this record. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, we're not going to list everybody here, but the main E Street band players are Roy Bitten on keyboards, Clarence Clemens, as everybody knows, the big man on sax. Uh, Gary Talent is the bass player. Uh, Mighty Max Weinberg on the drums. Danny Federici played keyboards and organ. And little Steven Van Zant on, just listed on background vocals on this album. So I don't know if he didn't play guitar on the record, um, but he's just listed as background vocals, which is interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because he's always seemed to be a big part of the band. Yeah, yeah. So that that kind of shocked me when I and you know, I'm a Springsteen fan. I've I've got all his records and listen, I'm not, yeah. a, you know, not a, a crazy Springsteen fan. I'm not, you know, lining up to to be first in line for the Broadway show or anything like that. But, you know, I have a fair knowledge of of the band and I I had thought uh Stephen Van Zant was a player, more of a player on this album. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just my information may be skewed. There you go. It's always a possibility, right? That we're wrong. <laughs> Come on. Skewed? Come on. Skewed? Skewed a little bit. Ah, listen, you know, it's uh, the whole band. And like you said, Springsteen was always in charge of, you played for Springsteen. Right. You know, it was Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Right, right. You were just part of the E Street Band. He didn't, right. He was, he was always that way. Yeah. Which is interesting. Interesting way to go about it, right? 
So I wonder like when it, when it started to form, how did that come about? Did he decide to be the leader and then build a band around himself? Yeah. Or did he have a band? Is that what he did? It was, yeah. When he was first out by himself, he was solo and used to go and play, you know, at the clubs in Asbury, at the Stone Pony and some of the other places there, just him and his guitar. So um, wow. yeah, I have friends who saw him way, way back in the early 70s when he, you know, when he was doing that in the late 60s, early 70s. And it would just be Bruce up there on stage. So, um, you know, he's gone through, I mean, the guy's got obviously a legendary career, has been making music since, you know, this, the early 70s and still to this day, you know, fills stadiums. So, uh, you know, definitely a popular artist. Especially in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fascinating. Uh, He's a god in New Jersey. <laughs> he really is. And, you know, there oh, are people yeah. who are super, super into him. Um, and, you know, but the pro the thing is, if he if he went and went to Giant Stadium or MetLife or whatever it's called these days, and, and he could sell it out for a week. So, you know, when you can sell that many shows in one place, yeah. uh, that many tickets in one place, that's, you know, that tells you that you've got some fans out there. Yeah. And another thing is too, dynamic live performer. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. Among the best. And actually one of the tracks on this song, uh, I, I saw Bruce do this album born to run beginning to end, uh, at the old giant stadium, right before they knocked it down. And one of the, my favorite performances of a single song is from this album of all time. And I've seen, you know, you and I have seen thousands of concerts probably over the years and, uh you know, this performance of Springsteen's was just phenomenal, like the best phenomenal. I've ever seen. Yeah. And I might as well bring it up now. It was like, uh, <laughs> I saw him in the Palladium on 14th Street. Nice. Uh, I guess it was either my sophomore or junior year in high school. Yeah, in New and York City, for people who don't know. New York City, the Palladium, which was a really small venue. So what we're talking about, a filling giant stadium, to back then, he was becoming Bruce Springsteen, and this album had just sure. come out. And you know what? People didn't even get a taste of it yet, but we'll talk about the songs and how they made it to the radio. It's kind of interesting. You know, when we talk about these classic rock albums, you had to get them to the radio. So we'll talk about that as we right. move on. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the one thing that's really changed dramatically, you know, with, with digital music and the, and the changes and with satellite radio and Spotify oh. and all these services now is how people and, you know, how they find music. Uh, there's a lot more different ways to, to get at music these days. Ways to get at it and a ways to get it out there. Yeah, exactly. Now, exactly. You, build your, you build your followers now online, you know, and they, then they, you put a song out and they, they buy your song now, you know. A lot you, had to go out and, you had to go out and sell. You had to have your manager go out and sell. Hey, play this song for us. Can right. you get this on the radio? Right. We won't talk about payola, but that's what was back then. It was like, yeah, you know, the DJs took a few bucks in their pocket to get songs on the radio. Well, and you look at somebody like Billie Eilish, who's hugely popular today, and she right. started out. They, her and her brother, released some songs on SoundCloud, which is a a, a service that you know I, I, it's it's known against amongst younger people. I think more right. than people our age. <laughs> the old people but it's a place where people could put free music out there and and stuff has gotten popular and they've gotten record deals from it these days oh, so no doubt man no doubt yeah. it's a lot easier to get exposure today by far we right. we don't even have to forget about it it's not even close yeah 
Yeah, so good. All right. All right. So uh, Springsteen began work on this album in 1974 in May. So in the spring of 1974, he had recorded the previous two albums at, at kind of small studios in Jersey, I think. Uh, and then this one he actually recorded in New York City. And then the release date on this was August 25th, 1975. And at that time, you know, this is a powerful, you know, we come back to these same years over and over again. And this mm. is the stuff that was also popular, released, or, you know, on the charts back in 1975. You had Physical Graffiti from Led Zeppelin, just legendary <laughs> album. Blood on the Tracks by Bob Dylan, legendary album. <laughs> Tonight's the Night by Neil Young, legendary album. Toys in the Attic, Aerosmith, legendary. Wish You Were Here, Pink Floyd. I mean, so much, so much classic, great, all-time great albums released at this time. Donnie Boy, you know why I love this? Just think of the albums you just met. Just think of that music. Yeah. And that music was all made by people. You know what I mean? Bringing in the greatest artists on the stage to play, on the soundstage to record. Just yep. some of the most talented people you'd ever want to see. And we would... I, and I don't want to sound like the old guy or whatever, but we were blessed back in the 70s, man. Music was, and bands, especially bands, were tremendous. tremendous. Yeah, yeah, just so good. Rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So um, this album was, it's interesting at the time in the band's career, the album did really, really well. So it was Bruce's effort really to kind of break into the mainstream, get some commercial right. success. The album peaked at number three in the Billboard 200 and eventually sold six million copies in the U.S. Wow. But at the time, this was kind of a crossroads for Springsteen because his first two albums really did not sell that well. And Columbia Records may have dropped him if he hadn't produced this hit album. Wow. And so, you know, when you're dealing with these record companies, it's not subtle. They let you know that they're looking for a hit and they need to, you know, kind of recoup their investment. And so uh, the pressure was on for Springsteen. And so it was, you know, quite a performance considering that, like, everything for his future banked on this one record. Well, you, we talked about it when we did the Boston album. You know, they were under contract to put out X amount of albums and they all had this. And with Boston, it became such a pressure on them to, yeah. that they had to continually write hits. Think about what somebody said that not just put out an album. You got to put an album full of hits. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it makes and, it so much more tough, you know? Well, as an artist, you really just want to play music. You know right. what I'm saying? And, you know, but now you're forced to write things that have to sell. And it's, it's got to be the most debilitating thing that could ever happen to you. Crazy. Sure. And the, uh, the album cover, he will show it here for the video viewers. Uh, this is pretty iconic. It's Springsteen with his guitar in his hand, leaning yes. against Clarence Clemens. And um, it, it was, the, when they shot this, they shot over 900 different images for the cover. And they just wow. were, you know, shooting and shooting and shooting. And they were going through as they, as they got the, um, 
you know, I don't know what they call it, the, the, when they're looking at the film or whatever, no camera, there was no monitors back in those days to camera, it was all film, and then you'd sure. get your shots and take a look, so, you know, they were flipping through all these images and just saw this one, and it just hit them, and they're like, wow, that's the one for sure, and, uh, you know, most people, have, I think, are fairly familiar with this album cover. The only thing I know about the album cover that always stuck in my mind is that, you know, Springsteen's wearing an Elvis pin. Huh, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, let, let's put it this way. I'll be the trivial guy. <laughs> so, trivia you know, or trivial? <laughs> the only reason I bring that up, the only reason I bring that up and really, really where I could connect with the Bruce Springsteen kind of guy he always paid homage to the people who came before him. Yes, you know, he definitely. Was a big, big fan of Elvis, but loved Roy Orbison. Right. Yeah, you know, and we'll man. we'll talk about it. We'll talk about that as we go through the songs. There are some cool. definitely some tributes to uh, his heroes. Oh yeah. And so when they were originally kind of sequencing the album, which means when they you know put the songs in order and figure out what goes where. Springsteen was originally thinking of kind of a four corners approach that the songs at the beginning of each side were uplifting odes to escape, while the songs at the ending of each side of the album were sad epics of loss, betrayal, and defeat. Uh. And um, originally they had planned to begin and end the road with alternate versions of Thunder Road. So I think they were going to start with the electric version and then finish right. with the acoustic or the other way around. I'm not sure, but they had an acoustic version of Thunder Road. They were going to kind of bookend the album with, which is interesting because it's something we've seen that's similar to what Pink Floyd has done at times, you know. Wow. Um, so you get this kind of, uh, you know, and I know Neil Young has done this on an album, too, where he's rocking in the free world electric and then an acoustic version or you know oh yeah um, rust never sleeps rust never sleeps right with the same acoustic version yep. and an electric version of the same song yeah which is very cool if you can pull it off yeah yeah in the end i decided not to go that route but you know i think the record is still a, a great album and I, I don't know if it's a good time for it but i'll throw it in there you know because you know watching get back recently and i'm sure everybody who's listening has seen it you know, of how, you know, McCartney composed, you know, and he would just sit and start playing. And the next thing, it was like amazing. And uh, Born to Run, the whole album was composed on a piano. Yeah. The whole album. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of Springsteen's, you know, writing methods, you know, is, is getting on the piano. It's just beautiful to watch, right? I wish you could be there to see that happen. See, the creation's amazing. That's, yeah, you, it is. You take it for granted at the end that, oh, look, but think about the creation that went into this album and we'll talk about it. Right. And so many of these songs went through so many iterations where, um, you know, they were playing them live for a while and they evolved and changed and they, you know, as they, as they morphed into the song, it's very rare that somebody writes a song and it ends up the exact same as the way they wrote it. You know, usually they get involved, they, they develop it, they expand it. They, you know, the, sometimes the band has input. Um, yeah, you know, sure. so there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of changing to the music that happens. Oh, that, that's the whole challenge that they were saying that a lot of times th with this album, the difficulty was taking it from paper to the music yeah. and really make sounded great here. How do we deliver it? How do we get it out there? And, you know, this, this album took quite a time to put together. 
So there was this whole thing going on, uh, and this is really John Landau's fault. Uh, John Landau was a, a, a music critic at the time, eventually became String, Springsteen's manager. But he wrote an article at the time. He had just seen Springsteen right after, I, was, I think it was right after the, this album came out. And he said, this guy's the future of rock and roll. And yep. Springsteen really didn't like that. So oh, wow. he, he, uh, he thought that was way over the top. And he actually, when he went to his first concert at the Hammersmith Odeon in, in the United Kingdom, he personally tore down the posters in the lobby that said, finally, the world is ready for Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and they also yeah, were... Blame him. Yeah, they also had were uh, uh, selling or giving out buttons that said, I've seen the future of rock and roll at the Hammersmith Odeon <laughs> printed wow. on them. And he just demanded that they get rid of those and not give them out. Wow. So there was a lot of, he was kind of fighting against that whole uh, perception that he was the savior of rock and roll. Yeah, Landau fell in love, literally. Uh, he, he really felt that this is how rock and roll was supposed to sound. He really was locked into Springsteen. Anyway, yeah, let's put it this way. He had something there. You know what I mean? Right. There's no doubt about it. All right. So let's uh, let's take a dive into this album. We're going to start off with uh, the uh, first track is Thunder Road. it's quite an opening sentiment right mm. you ain't a beauty but hey you're all right <laughs> i always thought it was pretty like you know oh it's great it's a great line not not a great thing to say to somebody i would think <laughs> well, depends. Yeah, depends. i'm sure he didn't say it to someone <laughs> hey look at you you ain't a beauty but hey you're all right, all right. you'll do yeah come on look at you you know <laughs> but 
But man, you know, you know me when I talk about it, it's rock and roll and it's rock and roll at its simplest form, which is just to me, beautiful. I, I love everything about, I love everything about simple rock and roll. I really, really do. So to me, it's, you know, it's prolific, this song, it's amazing. And he throws in a little, uh, you would never know it in the lyrics, a little tribute to Roy Orbison there. Yeah. Yeah, Roy exactly. Saying I'm further lonely. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, well, could not, you, you couldn't pick up on those words if you tried years ago. That took me a while to understand what he was saying. Right. Well, he said he was inspired vocally by Roy Orbison. Well, and which is weird because Orbison had that high oh. voice, you know, and, and Springsteen is, is much more. I don't know, baritone, I guess, right? Uh, but uh, it, it was talking about Roy Orbison's 1960 hit, Only the Lonely. That's where that comes from. Yeah, well, it's a great tune. <laughs> Love Roy. He also, uh, Bruce also took the title from uh, for this song from a 1958 Robert Mitchum movie. He didn't actually <laughs> see the film, but he got the idea by when he saw a poster in the movie theater lobby. Nice. Dames and broads and babes. Robert, <laughs> exactly. Ro Robert Mitchum <laughs> punching somebody in the face. Of course. <laughs> so the other interesting thing about this song is that the uh, the girl mentioned at the beginning, the name of her was changed multiple times. At first it was Angelina, then it was Chrissy, and then finally he settled on Mary's dress sways. Ah. There and it's go. not waves. So a lot of people think that he's saying waves there. But uh, John Landau, and this is real recent in 2021, said that it was actually sways and because dresses don't know how to wave. Wow. It, it does sound like Mary's dress waves. Yeah, it does. Right. No, I always no, thought no, it was. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. makes sense. I mean, waves and sways. Now that you say sways, I'm, I'm leaning towards sways. I like it. I'm going with it. <laughs> good old mary yeah and so uh we talked about this a little bit when we start at the start but uh it, they were also talking about making this a concept album at one point and so the idea was that it was going to span the course of an entire day with an acoustic version of this song starting the album and then the full band version was going to close the album so almost a, like a pink floyd-esque type of uh you know motif i guess right yeah, you know what? Uh, like I always say, Neil Young with uh, Russ Never Sleeps, he did a couple of the songs, just, you know, changed them around, did them acoustically, and then he did yeah. them electric on the same album. Yeah. It's very yeah. cool, actually, because it really, it makes for two different songs, which is very cool. Yeah, I, I just saw Kansas the other day, and uh, they opened up the uh, concert with stools, and they did five songs acoustically. And I have to tell you, man, yeah, it was great. It was great. So I, I love that stuff. Mixing yeah. it up is always good. And it's a great idea because, like I said, it makes for two different songs completely. Well, and, you know, the thing is today you see a lot more of that because artists aren't restricted by the size of the record anymore. So when they're releasing right. music, they're releasing bonus versions with acoustic versions of songs. And I see that happening a lot more than it used to, you know, back in the day, you, you talk about the Neil Young album with um, it's uh, keep on rocking in the free world is there's two versions mm. of it on that, on that album freedom. Yeah. And, um, Oh, and you're also right. You're right. Rust never sleeps. There's yep. uh, two versions. My my hey, of hey, my, my, hey, hey, hey my, right. My. So he's done it twice. But yeah. you know, that's the uh, how many people actually go through and do it. You know, it's it's rare. But yeah. uh, 
these days you'll you'll hear secondary versions, deluxe versions of the acoustic version. Sometimes the acoustic one is preferable. So, you know, wow. it can be very interesting. You, you know, what brought that to life that I thought was really cool. And I wish we could see it again was unplugged on MTV. Yeah. When they did all like clapped and sat down and did acoustic versions of, you know, all his tunes. Right. They did Layla, an acoustic Layla, which was completely different song. Oh, but yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally, totally great. And that was that was a great setting for Clapton too, I think, because it, oh. it completely forced him to kind of change his game and rethink a lot of those songs. Great you know, stuff. When your stuff you know? is so electric, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's take a listen to track number two. This one is 10th Avenue Freeze Out. You know, the funny thing is I listen to these songs and, you know, we both, you know, were, were kids when, when this came out. Well, one of us was anyway. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but the, the, it, 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 it was seemed to me, you know, in my memories that this was so much more like driving fast, but it's really not. Right. You know, even this 10th Avenue freeze out is kind of like laid back in this almost funky, not quite, but almost, you know, funky yep. kind of pocket. And it's interesting. This song is really kind of just telling the story of the E Street Band coming together. And this album is where kind of the E Street Band, as we know it, solidified. So you had a couple, you know, membership changes and things like that, actually, during the recording of this. Uh, but the out, but the, you know, after Springsteen got famous, the E Street Band, you know, became this iconic band. And, and these are the guys that it was starting with the, the group on this record. Well, back in my youth, um, this was uh, I I saw Springsteen when this album first came out at the Palladium nice. on 14th Street in New York City. So uh, that goes to show you where Springsteen was. <laughs> Palladium is maybe, you know, 1500 seats. Yeah. Think about where we were at then. And, uh, you know, it, I, I was going to share with you, I was telling you about my thoughts on Springsteen. I, I, I never bought into the Springsteen persona, like the Bruce the, like Springsteen the working persona, class guy or well, whatever his, you know, his character right. was. Right. But, you know, as a storyteller and a musician, just completely top notch. So you can't argue with Bruce Springsteen. You know, I think it has something to do with that. We're from Jersey. So uh, the fact of him being, you know, Bruce, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way, that persona. But, you know, musically and, you know, as a storyteller, like you're saying, this is telling the story of the band coming together. Right. You no, know, and it's fantastic. So you don't want to, basically, you don't want to be told what to like. 
Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. You know us. We've come on. We're, we're from the punk. You know, we're, we're punks. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I always was into Springsteen. So, you know, I always enjoyed it. Um, oh, yeah. You know, um, but uh, the other thing, you know, the thing that I really liked, especially about this record, is there's so much Jersey in it. It's so, mm -hmm. you know, the whole every the album just drips with with references to the the shore and places we know where we've been and grown up and used to hang out and things like that yeah um because 10th avenue runs through east street in belmar new jersey which is at the jersey shore so that's where the band got the name you know from that street and uh their keyboard player at the time uh david sanctuous i don't even know how to say that uh <laughs> that's where he lived you just did Yes. Sanctuous. <laughs> Good. But uh, Springsteen said he has no idea what a 10th Avenue freeze out is. So that's kind yeah. of weird that you write a line and, you know, that's the name of the song, but you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it's perfect. And this is the song that turned me on to Springsteen because this got a lot of radio play. Yeah. And uh, we used to hang out, you know, we were, you know, doing what we doing, you know, to alter our minds back in those days. And, uh, <laughs> We used to think he was singing 10 Devils in the Freezer. And if you listen to it, it sounds like 10 Devils. You must have had some good freezer. stuff. <laughs> Seeds and stems. <laughs> 10 Devils in the Freezer. Think wow. about it next time you listen to it. You'll never get that out of your head. Yeah. 10 Devils in the Freezer. I think I'd have to be super wasted to get that out of that. <laughs> well, yeah, that could have had something to do with it. Back in the old high school days, Donnie boy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, so well, I got my education. Go <laughs> the other, you know, the other the kind of reinforcement again about the band coming together and everything is, uh, you know, when him talking about the big man, which is Clarence yep. Clemens and Springsteen, Springsteen met Clarence Clemens in 1971 when Clemens came into a club called the Student Prince that's, that used to be in Asbury Park where Bruce was playing. And it was a stormy night. And the door like almost flew off the hinges when Clemens opened it. Wow. So Springsteen would talk later on about how Clarence literally blew the door off the place. Oh, that's great. But you've all been, you know, I mean, you know, us, we're at the Jersey Shore a lot. And you've been down there for those windy, rainy days, right? When the wind's sure. just gusting down the right along the, the ocean there. And it's crazy strong. And as you mentioned, you know, Asbury has been known for music forever since, you know, since I know, and still to this day, I still go to great shows down there, which is you know, oh, yeah. a plug. You know, it is, a, it is a haven for rock and roll. Yeah. It's a great town, great plenty town. of clubs, little clubs, oh. a stone pony It has yep. a small club inside and they have a big area outside where they do summer shows. They got a few thousand people, a big summer stage outside, but still a great town for music. There's the house yeah. of independence there, the, the wonder bar, uh, you know, there's a ton of, of uh, little clubs there to see great bands. And a lot of the restaurants even have a floor where they set up a stage and they, I've gone to some great shows, dinner show. Oh, yeah. Great stuff. Love it. Yeah. Love and it. It's, a, it's a beach town. So you're right. You know, they got the boardwalk, the beach. It's, it's such a great town. Yeah. So when you're thinking about New Jersey, keep us in mind. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stop thinking about what exit. What exit. <laughs> I hate that phrase. I want to punch in head. Yeah, I don't think anybody remembers that anymore. So I think you're safe. 
It's from way, way back in the 80s. <laughs> that was that was back when we were pedaling our cars. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stop the with other- the old jokes, all right, bro? <laughs> <laughs> you keep setting me up. I can't not yeah. swing at a high-hanging curveball like that. Oh, my God, my back hurts. <laughs> so the other thing about this uh, so the uh opening line is teardrops on the city bad scooter searching for his groove Ah. and so bad scooter which i didn't even know that was the line in the song that's actually bruce springsteen's it's him because that's his initials bruce springsteen bad scooter ah and then when he says search and here's a here's another one i'll tell you what i always thought it was searching for his group Ah, see that it's groove. See, Springsteen is not an enunciator. <laughs> oh no, 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 not at all. That's why I'm like, <laughs> that's a good. It's like you so should I, go on the road with that. <laughs> I have. <laughs> is that Bruce? Yeah, Who's that old like guy? <laughs> uh, all right, let's dive into track number three. This one is night. one i i you know i think is a lesser known song so if you're not a springsteen aficionado you may not be that familiar with night um but to me this is kind of a transition song so it has a lot of their the the, you know if you listen to the albums before born to run there's this kind of it's a very i don't want to say i don't know if it's really jazzy but it's kind of like this galloping, but everything is like bum, but really fast kind of stuff. And this one is, yeah. is a song like that where it's driven by Gary Talent's bass. Um, so I think, that, you know, this might have been, I don't know, but maybe this one was hanging around a little bit uh, when oh. they came in to record this song. And, you know, it's quietly one of the great songs on the album. It's a great song. I know you got tremendous hits on there, but it's a, like you say, it's a, it's driving. It's just, you know, Springsteen at his best. I, I really, really like, it. and you can see how throughout the album, you'll start to see. And back in those days, uh, the saxophone really started to take over in, in uh, a lot of rock and roll. And, yeah. Uh, Clarence Clemens took over on this whole album. Night is also about drag racing. The lyrics are, mostly described a central character blue collar worker mm. working a full day runs off into the night to go drag racing and search for the love of a woman wow so dramatic yeah drag racing and and drag <laughs> <laughs> i don't know where i'm going with this i don't know either that. i'm, I'm eager to hear <laughs> drag, i'm drag just racing waiting in drag 
<laughs> so you go drag racing, searching for a woman. It makes a lot of sense, but yeah. that's good. Yeah. Kind of like searching for a punchline, right? Uh, yeah, kind of like I did. <laughs> Edit. <laughs> so the story, the good, the thing I like also about this song is that the relationship is kind of told in a flashback. So it's got this desperation and darkness of the lyrics that make it a strong contrast with a lot of the other songs on the album, which kind of glorify the nightlife. I think, though, that it really shows that Springsteen's kind of really developed into a really great songwriter, you know, and a storyteller, which you don't get, yeah. you know, you do get stories in most songs, but this when you this this is what i like about springsteen is when you listen to his songs it's like reading a book almost you know you see the movie in your head kind of thing so right. that's what really attracted attracts me to his music no i agree with you I, I like storytellers myself you know because it takes some work it really does you know just not write, writing things down that rhyme there's right. a reason there's actually rhyme and reason i just thought i'd go deep there to make up for my lost punchline <laughs> it's deep professor helkin has spoken Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. all right let's dive into track number four this one is back streets uh. And listen to the bass line in this. It's kind of all under there. Bam, bam, bam. You know, there's that kind of growly type of singing that you're kind of uh, joking around about earlier, right? Where it yeah. starts to emerge from for him. Yeah, it's where it all started to come around on this album. Yeah. Yeah. And so but this you know what? What a yeah. tremendous. You'd have to listen to this whole song to, to really grasp the greatness of it, of how it just constantly builds and the story builds and the music builds. It, it really comes in and then you get smacked in the head with it. Tremendous song. Tremendous. Yeah, yeah. The songs on this album are are almost to all of them are, are very dramatic. So they build, build, build. 
we heard that in back streets you have that minute and you know minute 10 whatever it is opening of just the piano kind of working up and then boom the band comes in and it gets you know almost operatic so that's what i really love about this album is just so it's kind of over the top without being like smashing you in the face you know yeah well it, it springs to and it really is let me ask you how long is that song because you have it there yeah uh hold on i can't see it yeah it's okay i got you i just had my hey, let's uh, do old let's do old guy jokes again yeah uh, it's 6 30 so it's a yeah. long song you know well you know th- what made me think about that was uh for the longest time getting on the radio right you know uh it, it took springsteen a while to get on that's why 10th avenue freeze out born to run you know let's face it we've heard those too many times in our lives i'm sorry to say but a song like this you know every now and then they would sneak it on the radio just a great tune but six and a half minutes that ain't that ain't radio time and when this came out we always say you and i that you know the whole idea of getting songs out there was to get on the radio you know and, and going to see scott muni in new york right and there, but the radio was looking for three minute songs, you know, so when you got to, yep. something that's double that length, then you yeah. run into issues. Right. Uh, Until you make it and you could, you know, you're the one telling people what you're going to do with your music, which is right. great. Right. And I think that's when what you happened. have that power. Yeah. Yeah. So this one is an intense love story about a broken relationship. And it's a tale of, a, of losing a lover. Uh, and the narrator seems more concerned about losing her as a friend. So the girl in the song, Terry, is a character that Springsteen created based on just like compilation of girls he knew. <laughs> still still the greatest fry, greatest line any guy ever wants to hear is, I like you, but I like you as a friend. <laughs> thanks, but yeah. no thanks. <laughs> so, but again, yeah, and it's another song about Jersey. I mean, living in New Jersey, you know, and, you know, they, they, they called it this little outpost in New Jersey. Um, You know, so it's kind of a place of personal refuge, but there wasn't anything specific in terms, it wasn't like one relationship that this song came out of. It was just kind of him writing as a writer. Which is Um, great. Yeah. And the string section was brought, uh, a string section was brought into play on the track, but they didn't put the strings in the final mix. So that's interesting. I'd be interested to hear if there, I don't even know if that exists around anywhere where you could hear what that would sound like. It's already, you've got already a kind of a large band with a couple of keyboards, a couple of guitars, the bass, right. the sax. So you've already got, a, it's almost like a rock orchestra, you know? Yeah. Big so you've got yeah. a lot going on. This isn't a three, three man, you know, drums, bass, guitar. You got lots of lots of layers here. So maybe the strings were just too much on top of that. Yeah, but like you said, you know, it's it's always nice if you can hear the back stuff, you know. That's what was cool about the get back stuff. You know, they were showing footage of way back and what they put in, what they took out. That'd be great to see. Yeah. Some, somebody yeah. has it. Somebody has it. Yeah. Maybe and it, it may be has released. There ever been a, has there ever been a Springsteen documentary kind of thing? I don't think so. Well, the, no, there was one, but it was recent. It was them recording a recent album. There was oh, the kind okay. of a documentary, but everybody's yeah. you know, like our age so, or older. So yeah. it wasn't the early days. Uh, but I know be, there is be, footage of them recording this album because I've seen it before. That would be, uh, you know what? That's something I'd want to see. A snippet of it. Still- or maybe it was uh, Darkness that it was. I, I might have been Darkness on the Edge of Town that they were. Yeah that I saw a video of them in the studio. 
Um, I'd like to see a, a Springsteen documentary. That would, there's a lot of going on there. Yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. So this one, Backstreets, is also one of the uh, E Street Band's drummer, Max Weinberg. It's one of his favorite Springsteen songs. And he said, uh, I guess what hit me the most about it was the emotional emotionalism of the lyrics. I felt particularly proud to play on that record mm. because it was kind of an involved drum part. So not that it like playing, it wasn't involved in terms of that he was playing a lot. It was just getting into that whole beat with the tom-toms that he's doing under there. Sure. Which you can hear, so he really enjoyed the song a lot. Uh, it's just a tremendous song. Great song. Yeah. And like I said, it's one of those songs where we're doing snippets in the beginning. But this song right. builds, and at the end, you say, wow. Yeah, you really, I mean, to get yeah. the full effect of these songs, you have to listen them through them all the way through. Yeah, because Especially that one. It's not, you know, it's not verse, verse, chorus, verse, verse, chorus. It, it builds up. It musically changes throughout the song. So you really have point. to kind of dive in and listen to the songs all the way through. Well done. And yeah, I, as we always say, you know, in today's world, if you could get born to run on vinyl right now, go get it. Go yeah, get for it. sure. Why would you not put it on? You'll have a good time. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yep. All right. Let's go to the title track. This is number five and it's born to run. And that bass is driving it. So pretty much, you know, I'm assuming pretty much everybody has heard this before. Um, probably Springsteen's most well-known song. And I would guess a favorite of a lot of fans. Yep. yep. Uh, so he wrote the lyrics to this in his Long Branch home uh, here in New Jersey, down at the Jersey Shore in 1974. Said he was playing on the guitar on the edge of his bed and working on some song ideas. And the words Born to Run just came to him. So at first he thought it was the name of a movie or something he'd seen on a car spinning around the circuit, you know, like a race car. Mm. Um, but he liked the phrase so much because it suggested cinematic drama. And that's Springsteen, right? His songs are these cinematic drama pieces that we've, we've been talking about. And so he thought it would fit in with the music that he'd been hearing in his head. And that's what, what started the song. Uh, just a great tune. And, uh, you know, in New Jersey, it's almost... You know, it's funny, you hear Highway 9, what we would consider Route 9, you know, so it's in a lot of Jersey, which is what people, if you're in Iowa, you have no idea what he's singing about, but right. if you like the music, it's, it'll connect with you, but that's why he's so, I mean, if he wanted to with the Meadowlands, you know, 70,000 seats, he could probably do 10 days, 20 days in a row. Oh, and he did, yeah, with the, the, um, uh, the Rising Tour, he did 10 nights at Giant Stadium. <laughs> 10 
If I did 10 nights, I would retire. That's enough, Del. That's Well, and that yeah. was on one leg. He, I think he had oh done some other shows earlier there and then came back and did 10 nights. It weren't weren't consecutive, but it was pretty close. But it was that, insane. That, yeah, but that's a million that's tickets. How, you know, that's how big it is here. And uh, hey, did I ever tell you the story of Carol Miller? You know Carol Miller? Sure, the radio DJ. Yeah, right. Yeah. She's been around forever. She fought for years to make this the state song of New Jersey. Right. And, and really literally wanted to make born to run the state song of New Jersey, right. put in petitions, signatures, all sorts of stuff. And then I heard a comic say one time is really what you want in a state song is where it says, baby, this town rips the bones from your back. <laughs> it's a death trap. It's a suicide rap. Right. That's that's the whole thing. I never understood that. I'm like, why would you want this? It's like <laughs> Born in the USA is a, is a political song. It's so anti-politics yeah. and war and all that stuff. But I just, it was so it's funny crazy. when I heard the guy go through the whole thing. It's like, yeah, every state song should have suicide in it, rip yeah. the bones out of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just crazy. But people, you know, it gets people amped up. You know, it really oh. is very emotional and gets people up and really into it it's a uh, obviously a great song to see them play live um you know and his live game is is without parallel he's an amazing yep. amazing live performer even today at you know what is it he's got to be in his 70s right sure um so Early there may 70s. not be too many chances to go see bruce again but i'm sure he'll be out there uh he'll be out there so this song, Born to Run, it was the first song that Springsteen wrote for studio production rather than live performance. So that's the big difference between wow. this album and the previous album. So the first uh, couple of albums were just driven from what they were doing on stage and recording that. And so this is the first time that they go into the studio and the song is written for the studio, not, you know, something that they wow. worked out on the road as much. Um, wow. So he recorded four versions of this, one with a female chorus. And they did that at this low budget studio where he recorded his first two albums. And then he moved into a higher end studio in this city and kept working on it and working on it and working on it until it was just right. So this is a guy, they put in a lot of time like working these songs and refining them in the studio mm -hmm. to make sure that it was the perfect song that he was hearing in his head. Yeah. And you know, it, it's the reason with the band and everything that it's Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. He's the guy, he's the leader, he's the boss. Right. As yeah, and, that, here. That, and that's why he's the boss because you do what Bruce says. You know, yep. it's you know not... What? It, it it really is it's a i don't want to say it's a derogatory nickname but right. i think it's more about you know he's the boss because you do what bruce says or you're out <laughs> well you know interesting enough i if, if you get the results you'll be okay with it you know right I and mean? if you understand that coming in right that the guy's gonna do a good job you're not following some schlep you know right I mean? exactly yeah well, you're Which working with a legend, right? It's like we talked about, like with Clapton and people like that, where these guys are just amazing musicians and genius songwriters. Well, when you think about it, it's like Seckler working with Hilkin. Pretty uh, much the same know. thing, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Borderline genius with some guy in a uh, rancid shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know what? You brought something up that I think is pretty cool that I've never thought of in all my years of listening to music, and it's been a long time. Right. I wonder how many bands actually sat down and said when they were recording an album, how will this sound live? 
You know, I never thought about that, right? That you you just said he came in with specific reason to record this as yeah. a studio song, right. right? Which is, you know it. It's like, I often think of like, start sure. me up with the Stones, you know? Right. That does it carry? It's a great song recorded. Does it carry over to an arena? You know, and it's uh, it's a great way to look at. It. I wonder what the thinking is on most artists. I yeah, I think they do consider that. I mean, you because you really you you play live, right? That's what you do. Well, that's what you're hoping for, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and most bands are out there playing in bars and clubs and wherever they can before they write. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're out there doing covers and then they're writing their own music and they're refining it and stuff like that. So I think, think it's an ongoing that. process. It's a, it, it's a great point of how things have changed. You know, you, you used to have the tour, you know, write on tour, you know, get together, write albums, then get in the studio. You know, it, it, it looks like a glorious life and the payoff is tremendous, but man, it's a hell of a lot of work. It is you know, a lot of work. And back in the day, what, like we used to say, uh, these bands had to go on tour to sell albums. The main thing behind it was you were hoping everybody who bought a ticket, because even back then, I, I would imagine I paid maybe 10 bucks to go to the Palladium and see. I'd be surprised if it was that much. It might have been Yeah, less. it was that much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I remember we were just talking the other day, the first time I saw Kansas, it was $9 and we were sitting in great seats in the garden. Yeah. You know, yeah. Eight so bucks, a, nine bucks, 10 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so um, in the in the <laughs> liner notes to his greatest hits album, Springsteen wrote that uh, Born to Run was his shot at the title. He was a 24 year old kid trying to yep. write the greatest rock and roll record ever. So well, he definitely, you know, he's a very. He always has intent, I think, with his songwriting, he's always going for something. And I think that's what makes him such a great writer is his dedication to trying to really produce just a phenomenal, phenomenal song every time. Yeah, he wants to be, you know, I mean, he wants to be Bruce Springsteen. And that's and there's nothing wrong with trying to write the greatest rock and roll song of all time. I'm not sure he did, but he sure gave this is a great song, gave it a great effort. I'll give yeah, that. yeah, it's definitely one of the most well-known songs of all time. Sorry, Bruce. Sure. <laughs> There's been a lot of rock and roll in my life. That's true. There is a lot to go around. Yeah. So Springsteen also chose this song as the album title after rejecting several other names, including War and Roses, The Hungry and the Hunted, which is kind of cool, right? That's that yeah. one line from, I think, from Jungle Land, right? And, yes, it is. Yeah. Jungle American is Summer and Sometimes at Night. So those are all the rejected uh, titles for the for the album. Yep. And like we did when we mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, the album cover itself is really, you know, uh, what would the be, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, iconic, memorable, iconic. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what I mean? You know, when you have that album, you see it, that it's born to run with it. Even if there wasn't a title on it after a while, everybody would know this is born to run. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, cover. when you when you see like your your album cover recreated by like Muppets, which has been done for Born <laughs> to Run, you know, you, you got an iconic look, right? Yeah. Monster Weinberg was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For you, those of you who don't know, Monster was the drummer on uh, Sesame Street. But thank you. <laughs> that's, that's it was animal look. animal was the muppet drummer oh it was Monster. animal i am correct <laughs> i am corrected um, it, would be, it would have been funny if it was animal weinstein there you go animal. 
<laughs> All right, let's let's go into number six. This is she's the one. Yeah. Oh no. Don't even tell me. Oh no, Donnie. With a few of graces and the secret places that no one can fill. You froze up. No, you froze. that drum beat right there that's mm -hmm. the bo diddley beat yeah the bo diddley beat baby so, yeah so yeah. springsteen is really kind of paying tribute to his idols you know you got uh roy orbison and now you got bo diddley right and uh, yeah. a lot of times when they do this song in concert they incorporate like who do you love or mona one of the you know the more popular bo diddley boom, songs boom, 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 yeah. Boom, boom, boom. yeah awesome and the song Ooh, was also a great tune. Yeah, yeah, definitely a great one. Yeah. The song was also recorded in mono instead of stereo. So he was going mm -hmm. after this whole Phil Spector vibe that everybody was into this big wall of sound with reverb and things like that. So that was the uh, the popular sound at the time and, you know, gives you that kind of boom, boom, the echoey effect that really makes it kind of dramatic and big. You know what I like about it? It's, uh, as I said, uh, very just plain and simple chords, great piano, but nothing major, nothing over the top, just guys playing together. And like, a, it's rock and roll. And I, yeah. I, I got to give the guy credit. Yeah, he, he stayed rock and roll the whole time. And you could just see, you know, like you said, Bo Diddley, the whole feel, everything about it. That's what makes it to me, that makes the music. I've always enjoyed Bruce's music because it's rock and roll. And he yeah. has, he's a simple approach to rock and roll. Few chords going on there. That's it right there in that beginning of that. Yeah, I think it kind of sounds a, a little bit more complicated because of the many instruments. So like I said right. before, it's not three guys, drums, guitar, bass. So you've got all these different layers of things going right. on with the multiple keyboards and the bass lines. And so I think that really, and the horns. And so that really kind of, even though the song itself is very basic, I think by doing that, he you know again makes it bigger and and it's wider because of the many sounds that are going on it's awesome you know and i if i had the chance to ask bruce and maybe he'll listen to our podcast and uh you know the thing about it is did he it, that the singing in this is that like him just being natural or is it you think it's something that he thought out and it fit the character hmm. or is that just him singing as him or because you got to understand every now and then he gets so gravelly he gets way down to where it's and it's interesting. yeah 
And uh, I think, you know, that was how he sang at this time, if that makes any sense. I think his voice has kind of changed a little bit over the years. Yeah, Um, you got to wonder, you know, when you think about a guy who could believe in his voice, you know, some guys, you would never imagine that they'd be lead singers, no less superstars in the music industry with a voice like Springsteen's. He had to believe in that voice, you know? Right. And he's not a, he's not like a Freddie Mercury or anything. He's not a, like an operatic singer with, you know, this skill of like octave, octave, octave. He's a down, down here in the gravel in the, yeah, the swamps but, of Jersey, <laughs> you know, he's down, yeah, down here, saying, you know, that's where he so lives. Maybe he, maybe he did discover early on exactly. Here's my limits. Well, I think you that's know? what it's about. It's about embracing where you are. So you're not gonna, you know, suddenly sound like Kelly Clarkson or some pop singer <laughs> so because this, you're, you Springsteen, you're, you're down this level, you know, I was just thinking like, you know, he'd be voted off America's Got Talent in a week, you know, probably. Hey, thanks, Bruce. Uh, you don't get no golden ticket. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I get it. You know, he really took what he had and he really ran with it, man. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's listen to track number seven. This one is Meeting Across the River. Wow. Again, this one kind of throws back to his earlier work with that kind of jazzy feel to it. Can you lend me a few bucks? Tonight, can you get us a ride? Gotta make it through the tunnel. Got a meeting with a man on the other side. And in the sky, he's the real thing. So if you want to come along, Gotta promise you won't say anything Cause this guy don't dance And the word's been passed since I last chance So a little bit more laid back than the rest of the record, right? Oh yeah and uh, it's another one of these character songs where he's looking at the psyche of someone who's down on his luck. His, the main character is a common criminal, has worked himself into a, a bit of trouble and is going to meet the guy in, in the big city in New York City, I guess, to uh, deal with whatever. <laughs> he's, I don't know if he's taking a Lincoln on a Holland Tunnel, but... <laughs> Jersey see. joke for you. Well, I'm just trying to figure out. He's coming up from the Jersey Shore. First one you hit is the Holland Tunnel. <laughs> Probably the Holland, right? Yeah, we, we went through Staten Island. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but yeah. go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, Staten Island. <laughs> the other thing is that the uh, the uh, horns at the beginning, it's actually a fugal horn, and it was played by Randy Becker, or Brecker, formerly of Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Ah, so you got an additional musician on this track. Nice tidbit, Don. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, I, I, so here I'm going to throw in my two cents. Sure. Uh, because what it does, it brings me back. You know, this music always brings me back where I was and what you did. And, you know, when, when we were younger, to have a tremendous stereo and turntable with the diamond needle and just, you know, you went 
you you went all out with your with your stereo. You had to, you know. And I right, I could right. just remember. And the greatest part about our life was, and I just heard because this song, like you know, most people wouldn't listen to it, but you put this whole album on, and you played a whole album, freaking amazing. The whole album, you know, like now everybody is used to one song here. Right, right. And, you know, I I encourage people to get back into listening to a whole album because this, it just reminded me like this would play and you'd be like, well, that's a great song. You know, meanwhile, you had Backstreets and Thunder Road and Born to Run. Right. All these super popular songs. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But when you think about it, this wasn't just a fill. It's a great song. I love this song. Yeah. Yeah. Really great. You know who Eddie is? uh no i just figured i'd test you <laughs> i don't eddie know who? Oh, no, eddie don't song. worry about it. we we all grew up with an eddie in new jersey eddie joey tommy billy yeah it's that was our life paulie paulie that's jersey life right that's jersey it really is it's funny when i hear a kid named chad i look and i go really <laughs> stop it too funny all right, we're going to finish it up here. Track number eight. This is Jungle Land. Wow, there you go. There's some strings. Yeah. So again, you've got this, uh, you know, like we've been talking about the big buildup and the drama and the song starts off with the keyboard and it comes in, swell, swell, swells to bam, you know, and again, it's a poetic tale of life in the streets of New Jersey. Who knew it was yeah. so poetic here? <laughs> no, I, I, I get it. It's just, it's like if, if we were songwriters, we would just tell our lives of where we were growing up. Yeah. You know, even, even today, you know, I always talk about, you know, the sidewalks, the stoops, the schoolyard steps, you know, it's a big part of my life. It's where we were. It's where we hung out. It's what we did. You know, yeah, and he's Jersey got, show was a little different, you know? 
A little bit, uh, you know, and he, but he's, again, he's got these characters. You got Magic Rat, Barefoot Girl. It's very visual, right? I mean, so it, it really, you you see who that person is. Yeah, I had a friend, uh, Joey Porkchop. <laughs> nice. Dead serious. I'm not even kidding you. We all have <laughs> nicknames. All yeah. of us. Tommy Barracuda. Nice. Joey Porkchop. Yeah, that's, that's, that's our stuff. Really, you know, it's if you sit down and talk to somebody from New Jersey, we're we're sto- we're all kind of storytellers. We have stories. It's what we do. We're talkers. Sure, for we're sure. Talkers. We yeah, really, sure. really are. So if you can get this down on paper and turn it into music, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So when the song first came out, it got comparisons to Bob Dylan's uh, "Desolation Row," uh, which I could say. Yeah. You know, similar kind of uh feel to it uh song goes nine minutes and 33 seconds and Woo-hoo. it's it's kind of all over the place but in a good way in terms of music you know there's a lot of twists and turns to it musically yeah and i like that a lot another one of those songs can't do justice in the first two minutes right just just can't it's just a killer killer tune somebody really put some time into this beauty yeah, and the amazing thing about this song is there's really no chorus. I mean, the chorus is that one line down in down Jungle in, Land or yeah, at the end yeah. tonight in Jungle Land, you know? So the whole song goes through and there's no, you know, they, what do they say? Uh, you know, uh, uh, I forget the saying. Oh, well, forget it. <laughs> no, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, choruses, and yeah, it's it's... It just flows through. It's, it, again, it would be like standing up and re- reciting a poem. Yeah, it's very yeah. similar. And usually with, with rock songs, the chorus is the hook. And that's what everybody remembers. And that's what everybody sings over there and over go. again. And this song, yeah. it doesn't, you know, it just doesn't even need it, which is is crazy. It reminds me of the days when I used to write haikus. Oh, yeah? <laughs> no. <laughs> Tommy haiku. Tommy haiku Hilkin. <laughs> oh there you go haiku hilkin haiku hilkin (laughs) don't forget the air quotes (laughs) so this is the one exception about the studio recording the uh they actually performed this song for over a year live before they recorded it and the more they worked on it the kind of grander it became so they kind of added on all these kind of layers and and things and sections to it so really really kind of changed as a live song and then developed into what it was when it was finally released on the record you know i guess i got as close as you could get to like a club scene with springsteen but uh i really i would have enjoyed seeing him in a club you know because we see a lot of bands in clubs we are fortunate for that yeah and club club, no matter what you think you know the clubs are just it's a great night out man oh yeah phenomenal yeah. phenomenal no agenda Mike. you're not right. just sitting there you just you're out you're out living you know what yeah. i mean yeah yeah and i would i would have loved to see that you know i saw him in a small venue but man would have been great to, i think about that a lot with all the guys you know like think about seeing the stones in a club and it just must have been friggin' phenomenal yeah so a friend of mine uh, a guy i know actually saw springsteen years and years and years ago when it was just him before the east street band and he was playing at the stone pony and so he's just up there on the stage and with a guitar and yeah. there's nobody in the place. So the, for anybody who doesn't know, the Stone Pony is a really, really small rock and roll club. They've got a stage, but maybe four or 500 people in there, tops. Yeah. 
So uh, they have a second kind of room now where there's another bar and, and some food and stuff. But back in the day, that's where the pool table was. So these guys, my this guy I know was playing pool and Springsteen came down off stage. Nobody's paying attention to him. And, he, and uh, Springsteen asked them, uh, hey, come on and watch the show. I'm going to go up and do some more songs. They're like, nah. He goes, I'll buy you guys a pitcher of beer. And they're like, ah, screw it. We have enough beer. <laughs> wow. Ah, that's a great story. But yeah, this is that's exactly what it is, man. You know, you're working your way up. But I, I will say he he grew up on the Jersey Shore and he was fortunate to have that great musical venue around him called Asbury Park. Yeah, yeah really. Well, I don't know what which album is his greetings from uh, Asbury Park. It's, it's before that's Born the first Iran. one, right? Is it the first one? I think so. So that's got to tell you something, right? Right yeah. there. Yeah, that's that. That was his life. Right. Well, it was yeah. right. You know, he lived in Freehold, which is you know a couple of towns away. So he spent a lot of time in the summer, I'm sure, in Asbury, where the beach was. Yeah. And uh, just, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, just great, great music. You know, it really is. And again put the album on it's just a suggestion but yeah just put it on just sit there. what we tend to forget is what music is meant to be yeah yeah it gets you fired up but you can also just sit down and listen i always say listen to what's going on in the songs it, it always i i still to this day i listen because and i and i don't just hear it i listen you know like you were saying earlier why you hear that bass you know you hit a bass playing you know below the piano yeah, that's the yeah. stuff i i love i love to do there's times you want to put the sex pistols or the ramones on and just blast it away and then there's times you want to listen to how the song was really put together and this right. is one of those albums that oh yeah if you really listen to the orchestration it's it's insane yeah, it and really I, I, really is and you know you and i, I what well, people might not know how much we love music i mean I, i'd hate to put it this way it's, it's the love of my life you know it really is poor cheryl <laughs> poor cheryl but the good news is <laughs> i've taken her everywhere i've gone over 40 years so she has seen the best of the best my friend there you go she's, oh yeah oh yeah she's got a free pass <laughs> she's got a free pass yes yeah, she does so one one last tip about this song uh this song was actually a huge influence on bob seger who had just com who completed night moves the song night moves mm. after hearing it mm. so seger had two versions of that song written but struggled to finish it until he heard jungle land and then he realized that he could stretch the song out and explore those dynamics of kind of the quiet loud you know the expansive building up and all that kind of stuff and Night Moves was released in the following year in 1976. Tremendous album, Night Moves. Yeah. So another and again, nice note to this. And it's a nice little thing we were talking about earlier. The other guy I always think of is if you heard him, would you make him a rock star? It would be Bob Seeger. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, he's kind of like it. he's kind of like the Midwestern Bruce Springsteen, right? Right. Where you look and you go, no, nah, that's no voice, right? But he didn't listen to anybody. No, great songs too. Oh, thank God. All right. So that's Born to Run. Yes. Thanks for listening, watching. Don't forget to subscribe, click the buttons, do the things. And we'll Say be hello, back. Uh, all that good stuff. Yeah. Johnny boy, I got to tell you, good to be back. Nice job. Always good to be with you. Fantastic. Yeah. Iconic album. I don't know what the next one will be, but, you know, we got a yeah, list, sure. man. I, I look forward to the next one, but good to see you. 
All right. Have a great day, everybody. All right. Thank you. Take care.